gather around as we spill the tea on cybersecurity. We're talking about the topic in a way that everyone can understand. I'm your host, Jarrah Rowe, giving you just what you need. This is the Tea on Cybersecurity, a podcast from Trava. On the Tea on Cybersecurity, we've learned a lot about the importance of compliance, especially SOC 2 and ISO 27001. But are there consequences of being non-compliant? Are certain industries regulated and others aren't? And what about those other compliance acronyms I see a lot, like CMMC and FedRAMP? I have so many questions, and that's exactly what we are tackling on this episode of the T on Cybersecurity. I have Scott Schlimmer joining me on this episode to help give us a better understanding. Hi, Scott. Hey, Jara. Hey, everybody. I know you've been on the podcast before, but for those maybe tuning in for the first time, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? My name is Scott Schlimmer. I'm a cyber risk specialist at Trava. I've been with Trava for a while now. In a previous episode, we learned a bit more about what compliance is, but can you tell me how do compliance frameworks relate to certification programs in cybersecurity? A compliance framework is a set of security controls that can be implemented in an organization. This might include things like implementing security technology, like firewalls, or maybe patching vulnerabilities, or even things like implementing security training programs for employees. So it's not just technology. I almost think of it like a recipe in a cookbook. If you pick your favorite recipe or your favorite compliance framework and then follow it closely, you'll end up with a pretty strong security program or maybe a tasty dinner. I'm not sure. (laughs) No, relating that to a cookbook definitely makes sense to me. Like it gives you all the steps, the things you have to do one before the other. So if you relate that to like compliance and cybersecurity, I understand. It totally makes sense. And some of those compliance frameworks are then attached to certification programs. And with those, your organization can get an audit and then become certified to show that you've met the requirements of that compliance framework. The only way you receive the certification is by going through the audit and passing. What distinguishes regulated from non-regulated industries in terms of cybersecurity compliance? Like we were talking about, sometimes a company can implement a compliance framework, even if they aren't required to. That is a good idea because you can show partners, customers that you're a safer company to do business with, and that builds trust. But in other cases, compliance with the security framework is required because the company works in a regulated industry. So most typically, critical infrastructure would be in this regulated industry category. And that's going to be things like defense contracting, energy, healthcare, and another interesting regulated industry is the payment card industry. And that can end up affecting a lot of industries because it applies to any companies that process credit card payments. Are there universal cybersecurity practices relevant to both regulated and non-regulated industries? Yeah. So frameworks like CIS, NIST, and ISO are very universal. And organizations that are not in regulated industries would be very wise, I'd say, to implement the practices in one or more of those frameworks. 
It's because cybersecurity best practices benefit all organizations. Everyone can be attacked and we all need to take this seriously. That's something that I've learned definitely through hosting the podcast that anything can happen at any time. Regulated or not, you should definitely put cybersecurity policies in place. You just mentioned NIST, and that's one of the frameworks I see pop up a lot when I'm learning more about like SOC 2 or ISO 27001. So can you just talk about what NIST is? Yeah, NIST is the National Institute of Standards and Technology. So it's the U.S. government. NIST has a few frameworks, but it really all started, this was a while ago now, the U.S. government brought together the companies that were strongest on security and said, what are you doing? This is over a long period of time. This wasn't just one meeting. And then from there, it created a framework of what are those best practices. And NIST has the CSF, and that's a framework. That's the two sets of controls. One is 853. We're going pretty deep into NIST here. And that is probably the most robust framework out there. So it's a very thorough, detailed framework. And then there's NIST 800-171, which is another pretty good framework. I recommend trying that before 853, and the two will overlap and talk. But yeah, NIST is one of the big players and, and probably the gold standard for cybersecurity. I see it pop up all the time when I'm creating content and things. And I'm like, oh, I have a better understanding at this point in time of SOC 2 and not so much of NIST. Now that I have a better understanding of NIST, I know that they're are little nuances of the different like specific frameworks. So what are like a key feature of FedRAMP and CMMC? Let's start with those two. FedRAMP is a big security framework for companies that provide cloud services to the U.S. government. And that's actually based on 853, the NEST 853 that we just talked about. And then CMMC is a security framework for contractors to the U.S. Department of Defense. And that's actually based on NIST 800-171. FedRAMP and CMMC are both government industries, you could say, but like FedRAMP is specifically for like cloud services that handles the data. Is that right? Exactly. Now like GDPR and then like HIPAA, what are like the key features of those frameworks? What makes them different? GDPR is a privacy framework that is required for companies that process the data of European citizens. So these privacy frameworks are going to include a little security because you need to protect people's personal data, but it also includes a lot of things like trying to collect as little personal data as necessary and things like having processes in place for people who want to exercise their personal rights. People want to know what data is being collected about them and then be able to opt out of that collection. And those are rights that, that Europe provides to citizens. And then HIPAA is a framework for healthcare organizations that focuses on protecting patients' personal information. Two other compliance frameworks that I see a lot about as well, if you can help differentiate or explain those key features, is CPRA and CCPA. The U.S. government has not created a GDPR for the United States. So that's been left to the states. So some states have them and some don't. I think we're at somewhere between 12 and 14 states have implemented privacy laws. So CCPA is California's version of GDPR. And that's the same kind of framework, security, but protecting 
people's personal data and has its own nuances different from GDPR. And then CPRA is an update to CCPA. The first version wasn't quite strong enough. The U.S. privacy framework is a little bit messier than Europe. And now I do have a better understanding of all of those other acronyms that I typically see pop up. So listeners, I do want to point out that SOC 2 and ISO 27001 are also a part of these conversations, but we have separate episodes in season one and season two that go over those compliance frameworks in very specific, like very detailed. So I would definitely encourage you all to go listen to those. So Scott, how can organizations effectively integrate multiple compliance frameworks, or is it even necessary to have multiple frameworks in place at the same time? Yeah. So if an organization wants, first, is it necessary? There's definitely instances. I would generally say the more, the better. And once you've implemented one, that'll fill part of the next. If an organization wants to implement multiple compliance frameworks, it becomes important to use a compliance platform to manage everything. So the compliance platform will help you keep track of what you're doing for each control. It'll help you organize your evidence and then easily print out reports. And it looks good to auditors. I think the same information coming from a platform and being presented organizedly and looking nice probably gives an advantage for auditors, even though maybe it shouldn't. Without a compliance platform, things can get unwieldy pretty quickly. And I'd say just about all organizations should manage things in a compliance platform, even if you're only implementing one framework. How can organizations prepare for compliance audits under different frameworks? I'd say the best way to prepare is to do an internal audit and to then judge your program as if you were the auditor. Be hard on yourself. Insist that every aspect of each control is covered and is supported by evidence. And when you put that auditor head on, you see things a little differently. Or better yet, you could hire a company like Trava and we'll do a more objective and internal audit for you. What strategies can organizations employ for continuous improvement when it comes to just their general cybersecurity posture? Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people think about compliance and cybersecurity and like they're these different things and they overlap. You need to be doing both. So it's good to hear security and not just compliance. So whatever framework or frameworks an organization chooses, I would recommend doing an assessment of the security posture at least yearly. And that assessment should reveal a program's strengths and weaknesses. And then they'd want to focus on improving on those weaknesses. And then they could also implement a maturity model. And with the maturity model, you keep track of your maturity level for each control and work on improving those. For instance, do you manage uh, one particular security control in a reactive way only when necessary? That might be like when team member Bob remembers. Or are things managed in a planned, scheduled, and more predictable manner? And better yet, are things automated when possible, then measured for improvement. And then for continuous improvement, you'll probably be best with a general security framework. Some of those we talked about earlier, like CIS or the NIST CSF. I just previously had a conversation with Marie and Christina about controls, but can you please just refresh my memory on what a control is? 
The frameworks are made up of a set of controls. These controls are cybersecurity best practices. Controls are best practices. So now that I have a better understanding at the frameworks and certifications, now I want to know more about like non-compliance. Are there financial repercussions or legal ramifications of being non-compliant? It really depends, uh, mostly on the industry and the framework. And so in some cases, with the privacy regulations, you might be subject to financial penalties and fines. In others, like we talked about CMMC, you would lose out on the potential to earn money from the U.S. Department of Defense. It's one's a stick and one's a carrot. For things like SOC 2 and ISO, you're more likely to miss out on a big deal. A lot of smaller companies miss out on their first big deal because the larger partner company really wants to work with a company that has one of these certifications like SOC 2 or ISO. So it really just comes down to the industry and what those regulations are, how it would affect like financially or like legally. I feel so much better. I feel like I understand more, especially about FedRAMP and CMMC. I really didn't understand what the difference was between those, but I get it now. So before I let you go, do you have any advice for an organization that is looking to become compliant or to get their certification? First, I would say to find a compliance platform, it'll make life a lot easier. Then I would develop the policies and procedures if you don't already have those. And then collect evidence to justify, to prove everything you're doing that's in the framework. It's going to be important for audits and just internal or external audits. And then finally, reach out to us if you need a helping hand along the way. We love to help. Trava is definitely here to help. All right, Scott, I greatly appreciate your time and knowledge. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Tea on Cybersecurity. Thanks, Jira. Now that we've spilled the tea, it's time to go over the receipts. I learned a lot from Scott through that conversation. And one of the first things I pulled was that you can follow a compliance framework without actually having the certification or attestation for that. That just is proving to people that you have cybersecurity measures and things in place. Another thing that I learned was that you can think of a framework like a cookbook. There are steps you need to follow and certain measurements and you have to do certain things in certain orders and then you'll reach a delicious meal. Or in this case, if you think of it in a framework, is have strong cybersecurity policies in place. Another thing I got was a much clearer understanding of what NIST is. So Scott just said that was pretty much like for the U.S. in particular, like a golden standard for cybersecurity policies. So if you're looking for a way just to get general cybersecurity best practices in place, you can look at the NIST CSF framework for that. I also learned more about GDPR, CCPA, and CPRA. And these are put in place when you are handling data with people in those populations. So GDPR are for people in the EU and CCPA and CPRA are in California. 
And another thing with that I took away is that the U.S. government doesn't have a standard data protection law or frameworks in place. So that is where the different states create their own, which is where CPA and CPRA come in for California in particular. And the final thing that I took away is that some industries don't have regulations in place, but for those that do, there can be legal ramifications if you are not compliant. For instance, if you are working with the government, you definitely need to follow either FedRAMP or CMMC, depending on what your company does. And if you don't, there could be legal ramifications or even lead you into a bad reputation, which no one wants that, especially when you're starting a company. I hope you learned as much as I did about frameworks and certifications and being non-compliant. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Tea on Cybersecurity. And that's The Tea on Cybersecurity. If you like what you listen to, please leave a review. If you need anything else from me, head on over to Trava Security. Follow wherever you get your podcasts.